This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, summer's over. School's back on, right? Yep, it is. It's September 9th, so we've just passed Labor Day, and my kids just started school. We don't start school in New York City until after Labor Day, so everybody's back in school. can be a, a great time. I mean, not a great time, but I remember sometimes I was like, wow, I'm glad the kids are back in school. But, you know, if you've had a loss, it can be an empty house, right? Yeah, I think it's an empty house, and also watching kids walk to school and get on the bus and, you know, However they get there, I think it's hard if you've had kids that have died and you're seeing all these kids going back to school. Probably rem- you get reminders. You remember your own kids. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's hard. I'm thinking of a, a, a bereaved uh, parent, too, where you got a dad or a mom and, you know, maybe dad's having to get the kids off to school and, you know, get the lunches. not so easy or, you know, uh, you've lost your mom or it's, it can be a, a really difficult time. These transitions are hard, particularly sometimes when you get a new school teacher who doesn't know the situation. And I always think that it pays off to go in and maybe talk to the school. Have you got any thoughts on that? Well, I remember when you had to do that with Heather, with the math teacher. Yeah, remember. And you have to go in and say, look, she needs a, she's having a hard time focusing because her brother died. Yeah, and he said, uh, all of us have had parents die. And I said, oh, okay, all right, mm-hmm. And then I went in and asked him if I could teach a class on grief and loss in, the, in their health department, and they let me do it. And I did that for, what, about four years. So, anyway. That's great, Mom. Yeah. I didn't even know you did that for four years. Yeah, I did. And you can go volunteer and, you know, try to... Maybe make a little presence in the school if you feel like your kids are having a hard time. Well, as I well, said, and I think that's awesome because I think sometimes you do have to educate people. Some people, some teachers are really amazing and they get it, and others don't. I mean, to, to say, "Well, we've all had parents die," is not being very empathic and not understanding. To be fourteen and have a brother die is extremely unusual. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. So, I mean, to make those kind of statements, that that teacher needed, I think, a little education. Well, we've got a, a tough subject right now we're going to talk a little bit about, and, and it can really be tough, and our guest is such an expert in it, Diane Martin, because not only has she lost the child to suicide, but she's also uh, doing a dissertation in that area, which we give her big kudos for doing. Um, Heidi, you were talking to uh, Diane a little bit earlier. You want to say something about her? Yeah, I was. I she, We were talking right before the show, and she was saying she's doing her dissertation focusing on the on the morning mother and I love how Diane is doing this on something so personal to her own experience and something she's passionate about. I think that's so important and I did my doctoral dissertation on sibling loss and I it was near and dear to my heart. I was passionate about it. I went on to publish articles after and I think it is fabulous and also she's going to educate the world and get, you know, all her information about her dissertation out to the public about Mother's Morning, and kudos to you, Diane. I think it's wonderful. Thank you, Heidi. That is really wonderful to hear you say that. Thank you. We're great. It's great to have you on the show today, Diane. And you want to tell us a little bit about Sandy. He was 22, and he died, I believe, nine years ago in 1991 of suicide. Mm -hmm. Yes, in 1991, um, I lost my son, Sandy, 22 years old, to suicide. And it was just a profound shock, trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually devastating. Um, I had, you know, no experience with suicide in my family. I was just completely traumatized. And, 
you know, I really went into shock, and um, I think the body, our physiology and our psyche protects us. So I was in shock for quite some time and um, was in deep grief for about three years. And Was it a sudden suicide? Yes, or? it was. It was. You know, he, he had uh, depression, some issues of depression, went through the usual turmoil of adolescence. Um, but the one thing, he did become involved with drugs, and uh, namely heroin, which was a contributing factor. And um, I've come to understand that uh, there is no one reason or answer for suicide. It's a very um, complex event, and many things play into it, and um, there's no one answer. What kind of support did you get uh, after he died? Well, you know, that's... Or an, did you? Or? Yeah, I had some support. I went to one grief group actually here in San Francisco um, uh, conducted by uh, support services for the elderly and suicide, and it was absolutely fantastic. Um, this was years ago. There wasn't much out there, nothing really about the parent or the mother. But, you know, they really provided me a light in like psychological terrain that, was, terrain that was complete darkness. I didn't know where I was, and it really was a life saver. But I found that, you know, that was helpful, but it's really a path that I had to make on my own. Um, you know, I read a lot of self-help, learned what I could, but I found that there was a lot of things that were not described in my experience or process. And so for me, it began a personal journey. What did you find, uh, you know, that wasn't there for you? Well, you know, I think um, moving through the shock, there was just, you know, a transpersonal dimension to kind of being out, you know, out, out of this world with my son resonating, is he okay? And, um, you know, read through a lot of literature, and there was just nothing there to describe my experience. And the other key thing that happened with me, and I think I'm, I'm, I think this is maybe common to mothers, is I felt a loss of sense of self, my sense of identity. I found that my who I was was so closely intertwined with that of my son that when I lost him, I really felt I lost myself. And so eventually um, I made my way through grief and uh, went into a graduate program, a women's program, which really helped me reconstruct a sense of self. And, and where was that program? Um, that was here in San Francisco, the California Institute of Integral Studies. And they had a, a special women's program. Yeah, they did, you know, and what was so fantastic, because I'm reconstructing, you know, putting back the pieces of me while still in grief. And, you know, uh, women's narrative, women's psychology, you know, all these things that really helped me rebuild myself. And then through that course of work, I was also learning. Uh, more about grief and bereavement and I found that there are very particular challenges that the mother faces um, that I experienced and that I have identified in my research mm -hmm. and work. What are some of those things that um, you know, it, the first is the searching, you know, it's a searching for understanding your experience, trying to articulate it, very difficult, and a sense of meaning. Secondly, um, the idea, the feeling of a lost sense of self um, and you know, recovering what that is. Uh, next is like the when you talk when you talk about the sense of self. What what do you mean? Uh, the uh, uh, the archetypes, yeah. mother, mm -hmm. mother, nurture, protector. Because I think we yeah. you're supposed to protect your children. And oh yes, there's so much. When we get into nurture protection, now we're moving towards guilt and all kinds of you know things, particularly in our culture and society, how the mother is so responsible, and but especially it, with suicide. Oh oh, the you know yeah exactly, and that's another thing I'd like to mention a little Why bit. Why don't you mention that right now? Yeah, um, well, that 
Yes. Um, when this first occurred, of course, you have help in the beginning and people are around you. Right. And then as time goes on, I found that I was really on my own. And I also found that other parents are hesitant to be around you. And sometimes they almost avoid you because, you know, it's so devastating to lose a child. It's not natural. And there's fear surrounding that. And I've identified that as a You know cult. what just came up for me? I've got to say something. Yeah. Lose a child. I mean, think about what that means yes. to us. Yes. You go to the mall, and where's your oh. child? We're programmed yes. from the very beginning about the idea of lo- you don't lose your child. You strap their right. them onto your arm. Their, you know. Right. I mean, it's an incredible thought when you. And I hadn't thought about it before, but when we have a death of a child, we say we lost the child. But it, but we really didn't lose no, them. I no. mean, it's it's not even there was nothing that we could do. I mean, it's no wonder we're so guilt ridden. We, we are. Have to feel we've lost a child. We are, and yeah. and and I identified that as a culture of silence. I found, and within that culture of silence, I felt that I had even lost my own voice. And part of recovering my sense of Diane, who I was as an individual, not just the mother, was difficulty reconstructing that. Um, the next was um, in, you know, the connection with your child, you know, your child who is no longer living, your child who has died. And in, uh, it was Freud in his uh, groundbreaking paper, 1917, Mourning and Melancholia, and which really provided the basis for all grief theory and, and uh, therapy, where he talks about disconnecting with the person who's died. We must break off that connection and move on. And he calls it to decathect. And I found uh, my own in my own experience, and even now in grief uh, theory and uh, bereavement therapy, that the continued bond with the child is not only desired by the mother, but it's something that's now welcomed and being acknowledged. That even though that child is not with us physically, that bond continues. We are always the mother, always. Ab- the absolutely, mother. we're very interested in that continuing bond idea, aren't we, Heidi? Yeah, we've, we've written some articles about it, and like you said, it's we, we're not we don't sever those bonds anymore. We we never have. People that have grieve, grieving know that we integrate the people into our lives in new ways. And like you said, Diane, you're always you're always going to be a mother. I'm always going to have a brother. Those relationships don't end. They're just they just change. They're different. Yeah, I I, I was thinking with this lost thing, Heidi, even you saying I lost my sibling. I mean, it's like. You lost them at the supermarket. You lost them at the carnival. I mean, we're, you know. The words. Yeah, the words. How about this is an interesting thought. I was, I can't remember the conversation, but someone had, I was dialoguing with someone. And of course, if you lose uh, a husband or wife, you're a widow or a widower. And someone, and it occurred to me that there's no word that when a child has died, what there's no word for this. Right. And so we come up with phrases such as lost a child. Right, right. They've just, just been gone somewhere. Yeah. So you've got this alternative model idea. What is your alternative model to this? Well, you know, it just goes back to my earlier um, mentioning earlier my own journey um, and also my healing process really through graduate work, reconstructing a sense of self and then working with uh, theories in in bereavement and uh, grief and then identifying those particular challenges. But what it allowed me to do was to articulate my experience for me. If I can understand what I'm experiencing or what this is, then I can, you know, really integrate it and, um, you know, become begin healing. And of course, we all know, or we've come to understand that the goal of all therapies and, uh, you know, grief therapy is integration of loss. And so, in my work, um, I, you know, identify the challenges I mentioned earlier, which is the sense of self. Well, first, it begins with search of understanding and meaning. 
um, recovering a sense of self, the continued bond with the child, um, also um, creating a narrative, a narrative, you know, of understanding. Okay, now, Annette, for our folks out there, because uh, the therapy world likes to talk to narrative, it's basically your story. Just your story. What's your story? Lost. Changing your yeah. story. And one of the things, Heidi and I have talked about a lot, is the more, and we find out at Compassionate Friends and other things that we go to, is the more you tell your story, yes. the more it changes it. And I love to also say, get sometimes you get bored with your story, particularly, <laughs> particularly if it's right. a, if it's an angry story, yeah, you know, yeah. if you've told how somebody did something mm-hmm. long enough, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, get over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we really need that piece of the story anymore? Yeah, you know? yeah. So, Heidi, have you got any thoughts on the story? Just that, just that it's nice when you have a form and a place where you can keep telling it and telling it and telling it until you're bored with your own story. I think that is so healing and therapeutic. Yeah, and graduate people. school and you keep telling it in different ways. Yeah, writing Pardon it me? up is. I was just saying graduate school and writing it up. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. a way that you can keep retelling the story because I was in, I went back to graduate school too. Um, I was already a therapist, but um, I you know eventually I decided to go back and go to Syracuse. And you keep telling that story and writing it and thinking about it in different ways. It's interesting, right? You, you know, one of the um, in the work that I'm doing, what I'm writing now, my my book um, and my dissertation um, was that I found that in my search for understanding and trying to articulate this experience that I really started going back throughout history and throughout time. And so the focus of my work is the personal experience of loss. But I'm looking at the mother throughout history and time, and I'm looking at the ancient myths, stories, and symbols that mirror the individual mother's experience. And I find that these ancient stories um, validate and affirm her experience. And so I'm really looking at the larger story connected with the individual story and how that can help us, you know, process and understand our experience. Okay, give me one symbol. We're talking pretty abstractly. Okay. What's one okay. symbol that would help me? Okay. My, my child has died by suicide. Give me a symbol. There's so many aspects to the grief process. If we go back to that old model of that wheel of grief, despair, anger, and all that, well, that's shifted and expanded now. But, for example, in Homer's uh, Hymn to Demeter, um, there's this one part where she's sitting at the well. She's completely clothed in black. She's in mourning for her child. She's sitting at the well. Consequently, you know, we would say in modern terms that this is somatic grief. She refuses to eat. She's depressed. She doesn't want to speak to anyone. She's sitting at the well. So it's a metaphor for a grieving process. And, of course, the story is, you know, 2,500 years old. And so we can see throughout literature and images of um, the mother, archetypal mother, the ancient mother, stories throughout time that can help us affirm. Where's the healing piece in that? Um, You know, I think that because for me, you know, when I lost my son going back to my early experience, it's been some years now, there wasn't much literature Nine years is not a long time. No, 1991. 91. 91. So it's been many years. And And nowadays, of course, we have great, terrific support groups, compassionate friends. You know, we have wonderful things now. But in my search, you know, began with travel, going to ancient sites and temples. It was connecting with the sense of myself, the sense of spiritual self, the feminine self. And in reconnecting that self, I found this rich treasure of women's stories and history. And then I looked at the Morning Mother, whether it's the, uh, you know, Mater Dolorosa in Christianity or, you know, Kuan Yin, who hears the cries of the world. Um, you know, all these different stories that really helped affirm my experience. And I thought, 
oh, this is just so comforting and healing. So you can find find things in these stories of others. I, I think that is great. Now, what if I am newly bereaved right now, and okay, I'm hearing you, and I'm saying, okay, I like this. I like what Diane's saying. Where do I start? Do I look for graduate classes? Is there a book that I should read? You know, what, how do I get it together? You know, for me, and I would say for anyone, everyone, every mother, um, you turn to that which you love. You know, when I started, you know, just coming out of the deep grief process, I turned to, it was like circling back to being a kid. And I turned to art and literature, what I loved. And for others, it could be gardening, poetry, art, work we love. Turn to something you love. And for me, it was art and literature because it's, you know, when we have this kind of loss, there are no words. And I found that art speaks to the ineffable, those things that we can't quite say. And it was healing for me. And so it's turning to those things you love, making your way back around, being connected with others, but most important, to listen to your inner self. You really have to trust your inner voice um, because you may not have all that support around you that you need. And it's sometimes a time to say no. That's, oh, yes. To things that you don't love. Yes, I mean, you have to make a space. You do. You do. You have to really be with yourself. So it's being with the self, listening to the inner self, but also being connected, but trusting that, really trusting that. Because every loss, grief process is individual and unique to that person. There is no one way. We all, for me, I, I look at it as organic. You know, it's an organic process, how each individual works through that. Um, Right. Well, Hyde, um, have you got any thoughts about this? I love this because this is part of why we love this radio show, Diane, because we can have everybody come in here and tell us how they get it. Right, Hyde? Absolutely. And I love how Diane says we need to trust ourselves and listen to our own internal process and inner voice. I think oftentimes we, we ignore that. We hear it, but we just ignore it. And we don't we don't realize how powerful that is. And oh, guess what? Like you, you don't have to get permission from other people to hear it either. You can tell sometimes people what you're thinking about. I'm thinking about, you know, doing this or that. And they're like, oh, well, they're thinking about their time and how your energy is going to be spent. And they're like, oh, no, you don't want to do a garden or, you know, you're not going to start quilting or, or, or whatever, whatever you need to That's do. That's a great point. That's a great point, Mom. Some people will say it's too soon or it's been too long. I mean, they've got judgment around what you want to do. And sometimes you know what's best for yourself. You know what direction you need to move in and when you need to do it. And Diane's saying um, she went to some historical sites. And, you know, I don't know if you went to Greece or where, but, you know, if somebody wants to do that, there may be a whole lot of people that say, you can't do that, you know, on your own. I know. Uh, know, know. Or, you know, and you can. If you hear that voice, you can do it. Right, Diane? Yes. You know, I... It was interesting because at one part of my writing, I realized that I travel the world and just that sense of the sacred, recovering a sense of my spiritual wholeness and then going to these wonderful sacred sites. You know, it's much later that I realized that I was traveling, silking around, circling the world only to return to myself. Oh, I love that. And I want to end the show on that thought. It's, it's so fabulous. Well, Diane, um, do you have any way that you want people to get in touch with you? Or do you want them to know things that are about you? Or what, what have we missed? Anything? Yeah. No, this has been wonderful, Gloria. Thank you so much. Um, let's see. I have an article coming out soon. And so for anyone that's interested, they can email me. I don't know if I should give that out. Sure, yes. Um, Diane at mandalawisdom.org. 
And that is spelled M-A-N-D-A-L-A Wisdom. It's all one word, MandelaWisdom.org. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a short, an article that describes what we've talked about today, the idea of the, um, the story of the mother and how we uh, begin our healing process. And, of course, I'm work- working on my book. And you know, and What's your so, book going to be called? Um, you know, I've got some working titles. I think, we're, I think I'm thinking about the mythos of the mother and um, a healing guide in the loss of a child, something along those lines, but it's in process. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds beautiful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and thank you so much. She's in the studio with me today, so I'm very happy to have her here. So uh, thanks so much for being on the show today, Diane. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks, Diane, and thanks so much for helping the world better understand maternal mourning. You're doing so much out there for everybody. Thank you. We've been listening to the Open. You've been listening to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Want to remind you that we have a lot of shows archived on our interactive website, uh, and we hope that you'll listen to more of our shows. We hope you'll tell all your friends and family about this show because we depend on you to get the word out there about the our Open to Hope site. And remember, we put a new show on at nine o'clock California time and at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time every Thursday, so we hope you listen in then. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's Open to Hope. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.